This episode of the UNI podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) Before we get into the episode, I would like to bring to your attention a new project I plan to start in the coming weeks. It has to do with a link I provided on my WhatsApp um, status and in shared groups concerning a newsletter. So the name of the newsletter is going to be titled Ninja Pod Nuggets. And this is a newsletter that is solely focused on, you know, chronicling the news and events and, you know, updates regarding the Nigerian podcast environment. And I really hope that your support would be there for me to be able to push this. And let's have something you can just check on your inbox and, you know, have a laugh about or just, you know, keep abreast about what is going on in the podcast world. So I would also be sharing the link to the newsletter so you can subscribe. I am trying to make a few changes, few touches here and there. And as soon as the first newsletter is about to drop, you would get an update on that. I look forward to receiving your feedback your suggestions your um, recommendations about the newsletter what you like to see so i really want this to be an interactive newsletter so it's not just me writing to you it's also you giving me feedback and let's see how we can push this forward cheers a few weeks ago social media was agog with hot takes regarding um the death penalty that was said to await a a northern man who, who was said to have maybe insulted the Prophet Muhammad. Um, expectedly, it was a divide between those who thought such Sharia laws were archaic and basically impeding on human, basic human rights, and those who felt like an example needed to be set, you know, to deter others from making mockery of the religious beliefs, you know, of so many. I was one of those who believed the former, and I still do very much so. Um, I personally think it is morally reprehensible that people will ask for the head of another human being simply because that said human being exercised their freedom of speech. Um, I wondered why humans who believe that there was a supreme being, an all-powerful, all-seeing being somewhere, in the infinite cosmos, who choose to want to help this supreme being in fighting all of its battles, including the petty ones like name-calling. I found it downright silly. I still do. I honestly thought of these type of people as stupid too, you know, blindly believing a truth that in more ways than one was crafted out of their own overreaching imaginations truthfully um i must say this i I had so much anger with how foolish these types of people are that i lost all sense of empathy to their plight yes uh, i did say plight and um i know it may rob some people the wrong way um but i do not mean to sound condescending in any way to be honest and um i guess if i do come off as condescending um my sincere apologies to anyone listening i I simply believe that now more than ever um the best way forward for faith religion and people of faith in general is not blind loyalty it's not blind loyalty to the text or the statutes of their faith or their religion neither is it like 
the time for you to start, you know, being antagonistic and stuff where, you know, you are ready to take up arms and fight to defend what you believe in, you know, or defend a slight to what you believe in. Like somebody insulted your prophet, you want to go go up on arms and stuff. No, um, now more than ever is the time for the believers to be more wide-eyed and extra critical of what their religion or faith preaches or supports. I feel like now is the time to be even more critical than the atheists or the agnostic or the, the free thinkers per se. And it is funny how most of you guys miss this, but I feel like you folks are in the best place to bring about a change and a reform in your religion, in your faith, that can set the tone for what your religion or faith would be in the next hundred of years. Um, one would think this should be pretty clear, you know, but unfortunately it isn't. It really isn't. Um, I mean, think about it. Just think about it. At some point in the human history, slavery was considered moral. Slave owners were known to gather their slaves on Sundays and read the Bible to them. And then probably a few hours later, whip them sore on the fields when they were not making you know, profit or something. These slave owners, I bet, would also go on their knees at night and pray to God to help their crops and whatever they were you know, doing grow. And when harvest came and it was good, guess what? These slave owners would do what they do best. They would thank God all the while raping and torturing their slaves. Now, my question is, if as a believer in the monotheistic religion, you claim that God never changes or is the same as he has always been since the beginning of time, does it mean that the same God that saw nothing wrong in slaves being brutalized should now suddenly see something wrong in homosexuals being stoned to death? Or do you actually think homosexuals ought to be stoned to death? But if you are of the school of thought that, oh, that time was different. You know, it was a different time, different dispensation. They didn't know better. Then doesn't it mean that God himself, over the course of time, changed? So, how come it is so hard for the custodians of your faith and beliefs to be open to embracing change and empathy towards some of the more archaic and sometimes barbaric practices that still exist today, courtesy your religion. And more importantly, why are you sitting by and letting it happen? Why is it so easy to be apathetic to it? You know, you're just there, you know. Oh, this is how the Bible says it should be. This is how the Quran defines it. So, whatever, because that was a lot of the that was a lot of the argument from the other side with regards to the death penalty. Like the law, the Sharia law states this: you can't come here and do this and not face the consequences. Somebody calls or insults your prophet, and you, you in your heart of heart, let's be honest now, in your heart of heart, you actually believe that the best response to that person is not something like maybe you know telling the person you know get out of our city 
or maybe telling the person you're banned from going to the mocks or but you thought that the best response would be you must die and you you as an intelligent being this is not even about being educated as an intelligent being on your own with your moral compasses with kids with family thought that this made sense because if you do not think it makes sense, you would not be in support of it. You would not just be mused to it. Yeah, everybody will say, you know, there are rules. You need to abide by rules. When you go to Rome, behave like the Romans. That's good and fine. I don't disagree with that. But if somebody is not behaving like the Romans in Rome, doesn't mean they should die because of it. One would think if you're not behaving like the Romans in Rome, you should get out of Rome. You know, just tell the person, you know what? You're not behaving like us here. Just get out. You know what? We're going to force you to leave uh, Rome because you're not behaving like us, the Romans. But sadly, that's not what people do. Sadly, people are more in support with, you know what? You're not behaving like the Romans. You know what? We need to cut your head off. So that we can deter other people who come and not behave like the Romans too. And we do all of this because that is what our God will want. It is baffling to say the least. You know, how, how people can crave the idea of change so much in every other part and aspect of their lives. You know, welcome technology, welcome innovations. But where it matters the most, you know, people talk about the soul, you know, the soul. The, for me, I feel like the basic cornerstone of religion is, you know, your soul. You know, you need to make sure your soul is right with God, is right with all things, so that in the afterlife you can, you know, get to heaven or wherever that is to you. But still, people don't want to make changes that would help their soul. Like, everybody wants change, and you guys want change in the other aspect, except for this. I mean, it is even more surprising since we all can see what happens when a little change is embraced when it comes to religious mentalities. I mean, there was a time when women were not allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia because of religion. Now, they can and honestly, I want to understand how that is a bad thing. Like how women being able to drive is a bad thing. Because to me, it's a good thing. It means that the men now could, you know, instead of always going to pick the kids, go back, get... Now the men could just tell their wives, you know, go and pick the kids. And they go and frolic or do whatever they want. Is that not a good thing? There was a time... When divorce in Christianity was, you know, considered a no-no, our parents hammered it on us, you know, it's, um, once you're married, it is for, le for life, you know, forever and ever and stuff. Divorce is not allowed in the kingdom of God, blah, blah, blah. And so many women and men have suffered in abusive, non-loving marriages because of that mentality, because... Ah, my church doesn't allow divorce. So you know what? Even if I'm in a loveless marriage, I'll just go on my knees and pray about it. God will come down and change it. It was so worse that 
right now, at least for most churches now, they have marriage counseling. At, at that point in time, there was no marriage counseling. It was just your pastor. Anything he says goes. You know, you have an issue, you talk to your pastor, and your pastor will be like, you know what? This is just uh, a tribulation. This is just the devil trying to rear its ugly head in your marriages. Pray, give seven days fasting, you know, make sure your first fruit comes to church and God will change something in your marriage. Now, at least now, most churches are taking the more psychological approach, even if they are dousing it in a lot of religion, of, you know, allowing these couples to talk about their problems and then seeing a way forward. I think nowadays, a lot of churches actually tend to recommend, at, at some points, tend to recommend a mutual separation. Now, I want to understand how that is a bad thing. That is change. Because now the divorce rates in churches have increased. And I know from your own point of view as a Christian who holds their Bible close to their chest like it's a plaque or something, you think, well, if the divorce rates are increasing, what good does that do? Because I remember when my parents, you know, I remember my parents' marriages of 50 years, 45 years, they did not divorce, they walked through it. How many of your parents were actually happy in their marriages? How many of your parents were not just there because of you, the kids? You know, how many of them actually said no to their dreams, bye-bye to their dreams, just because they wanted to survive the next day in a loveless marriage. So why you see the increased rate in divorce as a bad thing? Think about it. Think about the fact that what it means is that the increased rate indicates that more and more people are choosing their mental well-being over pretense. And shouldn't that be the case? Shouldn't it be about your mental health before anything else? If you're going to be so concerned about making sure your soul is right with God, how can your soul be right with God when you're, when you're battling an abusive partner? Is that even possible? Can you have peace of mind when physically you're not at peace? But these are changes. These are things that have come in and disrupted what was considered the status quo. And this has helped a lot. So my question is, why is it so hard for you guys as believers to want to do something? Somebody did something and this happened. We are in 2020 for crying out loud. Some of the thoughts process that you guys embrace, I don't know. Is it that you don't sit and reevaluate it? I'm going to double back on the whole um, same-sex thing because I feel like that's one of the, as in one of the most contended points in religion. You hear people say things like, "You know what?" I don't have anything against gay people. I just know my religion does not accept it, but I do not hate them. Dude, that is already hate as it's spelled out. People people always confuse it. They think hate is, you know, when you start, you know, throwing stones or stuff. But already you have excluded such and such person. 
you marginalize a certain sect of people because you feel like they do not, you know, meet a certain criteria for your own social group. A lot of things you cannot understand. The first instinct is to push it to the realm of the spirit. You know, it's something spiritual, so the ordinary eye cannot see. But is it? Like, I would think the ordinary eye could see empathy, could, you know, envision what empathy is. And no, empathy is not you saying, oh, I don't hate hate gay people, but my religion does not accept. That is not empathy. You're not being empathetic by saying, oh, I don't have issue with gay people, but my religion doesn't accept it. That is not you being empathetic. Because you people confuse that as empathy. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic to these people. Ah, I don't hate them, but <laughs> just keep your distance or something like that. Nah, that's not empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. You cannot understand and share the feelings of another if the first thing you do is to exclude them from your social circle. How can you be empathetic to somebody you've excluded? Because excluding them means you're not even willing to go close enough to understand their feelings or share it. And we find a lot of people do this. A lot of religious folks do this. And not just with um, sexuality. With so many other things where it feels like they think that it, it best serves them to not act as though they are bothered by the things or actions or people marginalized by their religious statutes and beliefs, even though they, they actually are. But the truth about this way of thinking or acting is that it is a learned behavior. It is not natural. You are not naturally born to detest someone's sexuality or their tribe or their opposing religious beliefs or a lack of it. No, you learn this. And it seems as though no matter how much people talk about reinventing themselves in this day and age or the self-help that they try to, you know, pander to and all this relearning this, relearning that, a lot of you folks never want to actually relearn the mistruths that you have been taught by your religion or your religious tenets. Talk more of even trying to change them. And I feel like this is where the issue lies. That this is where I may have failed to empathize with your plight. In the sense that I was once to think that you folks are just sitting idly by doing nothing to question or change things in your religious circle that probably impedes on the basic human rights of others. When in reality, most of you do not even think there's anything fundamentally wrong with so much of the things you have believed and subscribed to. And sadly, anytime someone outside of your circle points it out, you become defensive, expectedly calling for their heads and they in turn scoff at your gullibility and just like that the, the circle continues basically so maybe the first step isn't to ask that you change things within your religious circle no maybe the first and most important step 
is to ask that you change yourself. Um, I would suggest take a moment in solitude, you know, strip away everything about your faith and beliefs that you have ever learned and see if you can find anything else that defines you other than your religious beliefs. Are you a kind person simply because it is in your nature to be kind or do you do acts of kindness with the mindset that God is watching to reward you someday, sometime? Do you love your neighbor of an opposing faith simply because your faith has taught you to you know, be tolerant or something? Or have you actually tried to know who they really are so you can actually love them for who they actually are? Do you avoid getting any kind of sexual experience because, oh yeah, fornication is a sin in the Bible? Or have you consciously made the choice to wait until you felt ready enough to embrace these experiences? This and so many other questions are what you, you may want to ask yourself, you know. Uh, and I believe if you're sincere enough to answer, um, you may likely come to the realization that being human provides you with more affinity for morality and empathy more than any religious text or pretext or statutes ever would and maybe maybe when you realize this you you can be more open to the idea of humanizing the aspects of your religious beliefs tenets and statutes or whatever faith you hold there that sort of restricts you from being empathetic and maybe you can abolish them just for the good of the gospel of humanity i really hope you make the active choice to be more human than religious and i hope you make this choice every day um, I know it's it can be tough because so much of this has been ingrained in us, but I think it's doable. So, without further ado, I wish you all the best in your endeavors. For now, this is Mifa Adijmo, and you have been listening to the You and I podcast. Stay safe. Peace. This episode of the You and I podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs>